You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to episode number one on this Tuesday, May the 10th of 2022. I am Lucas Smith, host of the show. Thanks for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen. Apologies for the lack of episodes in the last two weekdays. On Friday, I was traveling for a job interview, so uh, good thoughts and prayers appreciated for that. And then yesterday, some scheduling mishaps. It was supposed to be a uh, late night release, but ended up being a, a two-parter today. So apologies for that, but we will get the episodes out and to you guys today. It's going to be a good one. Talking about the weekend in this first episode, we'll be talking, we'll be previewing the weekend or the week's series against Baltimore in episode number two, which will be coming out a little bit later on in the day, probably mid-afternoon. You can expect that one to drop. So uh, this episode is brought to you uh, in part that the headline sponsor today is Bet Online. BetOnline.net has you covered this season with more prop sides and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. So the Cardinals proved that they can compete over the weekend. That, that, that's my big main takeaway from the weekend after, like I said, being able to split the weekend series in San Francisco. You would have liked to see them take three out of four, especially after taking the first two games, a 7-1 to win on Thursday when Michaelis was phenomenal, and then a 3-2 to comeback win on Friday with Dylan Carlson's late, um, late base hit. So you, you get a little momentum going into Saturday, Sunday. You got Steven Matz on the mound. You think it's going to be good. Matz get... Gets lit up. We'll talk about that a little bit uh, later on. And then Sunday, the offense just wasn't able to get enough done uh, outside of the Yepes home run. So, But overall, they proved that they could compete. That's what I talked about on Thursday's show um, after the Cardinals won 7-1. Or that, that's what I talked about going into that, that game. Excuse me. The Cardinals need to prove that they can compete, play with the big boys. They got a little three games, quote-unquote, off here, if you will. No disrespect to the Baltimore Orioles. But three games off. Uh, to, to, to play the Orioles, to you know, play a little bit of a weaker team, but we'll say it that way, before the Cardinals play at San Francisco again, then a four-game set in New York, three against Pittsburgh, then they finish out the week, uh, the month rather of May with a really tough schedule. Two against Toronto, four against Milwaukee, two against San Diego. There's a third against San Diego to start June, but two against San Diego to finish out the month. And the only thing that makes that easier or good is that the Cardinals do have all those games at home starting um, next Monday, the 23rd. So not a week from now, but uh, two weeks um, or 20 days or something like that, whatever it is, 13 days rather. This kind of my weeks there. But nevertheless, all that to say, the Cardinals proved they can't compete. Miles Michaelis was absolutely phenomenal. We saw Jordan Hicks take another step forward in the starting pitching mode of things. Saw good things from those two starters. So this is a, a rotation that I think can, can start making do a little bit until Jack Flaherty comes back. And it could be a little closer than we think because Flaherty was able to throw a bullpen over the weekend. So hopefully he's able to make his way back soon. And the bullpen as well was just phenomenal again for, for large portions of the weekend. I'm going to look right to, to, to Friday to start talking about the bullpen. You saw Jordan Hicks go four and a third innings pitched. You know, he's getting up there. He's getting closer to five innings. We're getting cl- we're, we're close to seeing stretched out, ready to go Jordan Hicks. But I know some of these guys didn't have the greatest weekends after this fact, but the bullpen was phenomenal after 
Jordan Hicks on Friday. You saw Henesis Cabrera go two scoreless innings. Ryan Helsley, an inning and two-third where he struck out four batters. Ryan Helsley continues to just amaze this season and impressed beyond, I think, what any of us saw him capable of. I've always been high on, on Ryan Helsley. I've always thought that he could be really good. I've always thought that he could be a big boost to the bullpen. But what he's doing this year is phenomenal. And then Giovanni Gallegos comes in, gives up a hit in the ninth because it has to be interesting with, with Gio, even though he's calm, cool, and collected up there. But he's able to get a scoreless ninth inning. We'll go the day before. Miles Michaelis, five and two-thirds. He was okay. He walked three. You know, he did a good start, but maybe not to what we've seen earlier in the year. Andre Pallante eats an inning in a third, does a good job. Whitgren, scoreless inning. Whitley, scoreless inning. I know he got hit around a little bit on Saturday, but the bottom line is that these games are going to happen. Giving up 13 runs a game, they're, they're going to happen like they did to the Cardinals on Saturday, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. But at the end of the day, this bullpen is impressive this so far. Because even in that day that everybody got lit up for the St. Louis Cardinals, you saw Jake Woodford come in after Stephen Matz got lit up. And Woodford goes three and a third, gives up an unearned run, but eats innings and doesn't give up a ton of runs as well. Naughton, two-thirds innings, scoreless. Whitgren and Whitley get lit up a little bit, but TJ McFarland's able to get a scoreless inning in that ninth inning. And as I mentioned, I know Cabrera had a really good day in the two innings that he pitched earlier in the series, uh, but he did give up the what ended up being the, the game-winning home run to the Giants, but outside of him, you saw TJ McFarland come in and get it out when he needed to. Andre Pallante, Giovanni Gallegos, also scoreless innings. This bullpen, you have so many options in it. That, that, that's what I've talked about a lot this, this season, is that the fact that you have so many options um, to, to go to beyond just the big three that you had last year. I think that's what makes this bullpen so impressive to me. You, I mean, Helsley, another level. You, Cabrera, for the most part this season, has been effective. Gallegos had that one bad bad closing appearance, but he's been largely effective as well. This bullpen is, is going to work its way up the ranks throughout the season, in my opinion. In my humble opinion. Especially maybe if you get Jack Flaherty back, you have to make a decision on Jordan Hicks. Maybe he goes back to the bullpen... He's, his stuff is better than ever, and now you've got a long man in the bullpen or somebody who can come in and just wipe you out for an inning or two. So this bullpen proved that, that it was up to the challenge for the most part. Obviously, the Cabrera home run, a couple guys getting lit up on Saturday. Not a perfect weekend by any stretch of the imagination, but we're talking positives right now. Starting pitching for the most part was good. The first two games specifically. I'll talk about Madsen, Hudson coming up in just a moment, but talk about Jordan Hicks for a minute first. Because Michaelis, that's not what we expect. Michaelis has had better starts this year. It was kind of a it was a rough start for him. wasn't the worst start of the year for him, but it was definitely not his best, right? But with Jordan Hicks, the positive there, in my opinion, four and a third innings, we're seeing him getting close to being a true starter, more of a true starter, if you will. Because the the pitching needs it. The starting rotation needs him to be more of a true starter. And I think we're starting to see that out of Jordan Hicks. Okay, now the one last positive I want to get to before I move on and talk about the negatives a little bit from the weekend. Juan Yepes. Talk about a boost to the lineup. Since, I mean, he hit his first major league home run on a Sunday when the Cardinals lost 4-3 uh, as a two-run shot to the, the opposite field. But he has been as advertised. He has been almost better than advertised. 
since he's, since he's gotten the call up. 19 at-bats, I understand it's very early, but 19 at-bats, he's hitting 474 in those at-bats. He's got a home run, he's driven in three. His OPS is 1289, excuse me, 1289. He's got a home run, throw a double in there, only struck out four times and he's walked one. So his on-base is 500 and he's slugging 789. He has been a boost to this lineup. He has been somebody that, the, you know, my mom talked about being able to shake up the lineup. Yepes has allowed him to do that, not just shaking up the guys that you already have, but throwing in a brand new random variable. We're going to see how it goes. And so far, Juan Yepes has been good. He's been very good. And I think that he, he deserves every chance to play that he can get going into this week. Whether it's DH, outfield, maybe first base, you give Goldie a day off before the, the tough stretch, like I mentioned. But Juan Yepes... He deserves to play. Hitting is going to get you in a lineup, especially with that DH spot open now for the for the National League. That's going to get you in the lineup. So I think that he needs to be in the lineup, period. Juan Yepes has been very good. And despite the, like I said, despite the, the losing the last two games of the series and walking away with the split, when you're going on the road against a team like San Francisco, a split is pretty darn good. Obviously, there are some negatives to talk about. Talk about Matt's. Talk about Hicks. I need to talk about Paul DeYoung. Because the shortstop position for the St. Louis Cardinals is still, still a problem for the St. Louis Cardinals. So talk about the shortstop position coming up here in just a moment. But first, I want to tell you about today's title sponsor, and that is Bet Online. Our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs as they get closer and closer to the finals, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NLF, NFL futures. Excuse me. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sport wagering information from live betting. Playoffs, esports, and more. Whatever wagering information you want, BetOnline has it. So head to the website today, betonline.net, or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and actions. BetOnline, where the game starts. Offensively, the Cardinals were moderately successful over the weekend. A couple of seven-run outbursts, even though they did lose one of those seven-run outbursts on Saturday. Then you score three runs on Friday and, and Sunday. You know, average it out that that's still pretty solid. But the, the offensive position that I want to talk about, shortstop. It's a position that's getting a lot of attention over these last couple of weeks because of the lack of production coming from the Cardinal shortstop position. Let's just go through game by game and see what Paul DeYoung did. And disclaimer, pre- I want to preface this. I like Paul DeYoung. I'm rooting for Paul DeYoung. But at some point, the results have to speak for themselves. So, on Thursday, the Cardinals' 7-1 to win over the San Francisco Giants. Paul DeYoung goes 0-4, for 4, struck out one. Once. Excuse me. This was when he was hitting ninth. So, that was Friday. Move on. To, or that was Thursday, rather. Move on to Friday, May the 6th. Paul DeYoung hitting ninth. He goes 0 for 3. He strikes out twice. You go to Saturday. The Cardinals scored seven runs. Paul DeYoung, a little bit of production here. He goes 2 for 4. He drives in too. Start to see a little bit of positive here. But then you move on to, to Sunday. 
Paul DeYoung goes 0 for 3, strikes out once, gets pinch hit in the uh, ninth inning by Corey Dickerson. So, yes, there's some positives. There's a positive day, rather, to take out of that on Saturday. Talking about, you know, two for four, a little bit of production. All right, we're seeing good things. But at the end of the day, when you're waiting, begging for production out of a guy like Paul DeYoung for weeks, and then in a four-game series, he gives you production one out of four days. Is that really enough to say, all right, Paul DeYoung's on his way back. He's going to be good. He's fine. No problems. Let him ride it out. To me, no. I I really want to like Paul DeYoung. I, I do like Paul DeYoung. I really want to see DeYoung's production, I guess is the better way to phrase that. Because I think he's a great guy. I think he works hard. All these different things. But like I said, at the end of the day, the results have to speak for themselves. And the results right now, Paul DeYoung's results, are not speaking very kindly of him. Because after his 0-for-3 performance on Sunday, despite a 2-for-4 performance on Saturday, 77 at-bats for Paul DeYoung this season. We're getting to the point where these these numbers are going to start to even out or they're, they're going to stay there unless you get really hot or really cold, right? Because really until this, this middle of the month of May, you start to see, you know, guy go, guy gets two hits and all of a sudden his average jumps up 45 points. There goes he, he goes 0-for-4 and his average goes down 75. You know, we're starting we're going to start to see these averages stay where they are unless you get really hot or really cold, right? So 77 at-bats for Paul DeYoung this season. Okay? And that's over the course of 24 games played. He is 10 for 77. That is a batting average of 130. His on-base percentage is 209. His slugging percentage is 208. His OPS is 417. These, these are his extra base hits this year. Three doubles and a home run. He's driven in seven. He's walked seven times. He has swiped three bags. He has struck out uh, 25 times. Like I said, at some point, the results have to speak for the player. So why is he still up here? Why is he still on the major league roster? Why is he still getting playing time? The long and short of it is defense. Maybe not necessarily his defense, although that does obviously play into it, but what is the defense going to lose if you put Paul DeYoung on the bench, you move Edmund to short, and you put Nolan Gorman up at second base if, as, if he gets the call up? That's the Oliver, That's the Ali Marmol um, reasoning for it. Paul DeYoung is his guy to win or lose right now. Well, right now, Paul DeYoung's not giving you very many winning at-bats. I'll say that right now. So why have we not seen a change? They really, they, they, I mean, we, we, we've known this from the, for, for a very long time, that the St. Louis Cardinals, for good, better, or worse, are going to give Paul DeYoung every shadow of a doubt or every chance they can for Paul DeYoung to prove that he can be this team's starting shortstop. And I'm sorry... I've been a big proponent of Paul DeYoung. I've been one that has been very patient with Paul DeYoung and what I've talked about. I like Paul DeYoung. At some point, results speak volumes. If we still if we see another week of this, 
I understand you're going to go through a gauntlet of your schedule, or a gauntlet of a schedule in a week and a half or so after after you face Pittsburgh next weekend. Not this weekend, but next weekend. And you're going to see some tough pitching. You're going to see some really good pitching in that Milwaukee series. So I understand maybe that the timing of it isn't right. Maybe you wait until you play you know, Chicago and then Cincinnati the next weekend, then five games against Pittsburgh. Maybe you wait to see Gorman then when the pitching might not be as strong. Maybe there's an argument to that. I don't know. But Nolan Gorman needs some consideration. He has been, he got off to a blistering start at the minor league level. Blistering. He is ready. He is ready for the major league level. And I'm not saying Paul DeYoung needs to be DFA'd. I'm not saying it needs to be bent or uh, dropped. I'm not saying it needs to be cut. What I am saying is that he needs to be benched. It. I, I try not to have these hot emotional takes very often or just these off-the-cuff takes, but I think this one is well-warranted. I don't think I'm alone in this take. Now, that doesn't always necessarily mean that, I, that we're right <laughs> in our group takes. But I do think that it is just simply time. especially if we see it for another week. Now, all this to be said, Paul DeYoung might go off this week against Baltimore and just absolutely tear it up. That's fine. Oops, excuse me. That might happen. I'm aware that, that, is a, that there's, there's a chance of that happening. But let's not fall for the fool's gold there because Baltimore, spoiler alert, is not very good. Now, they might not be as bad as the Cincinnati Reds are, a blistering six and twenty-three, but Baltimore still sits at twelve and seventeen. Baltimore's on a nice run. They're six and four in their last ten. They've won two in a row. They're not as bad as they were last year. Not trying to compare them to that, but there still is a chance that DeYoung has some success this week because of the lack of talent on Baltimore. I still think if that happens. Where's the consistency involved? Because Paul DeYoung is known to go on these streaks for a couple weeks or a week or so where he just is on fire and he's untouchable. You've, you've got to play him. I want to see him find some level of consistency for more than a week. That's what I want. You want to go and hit three home runs in four days? Great. How about you hit more than 200, have an on-base higher than 208 or 209, whatever it was, for more than a week. Then we'll talk about you finding it and, and deserving the starting spot. So funny that I mentioned consistency. It's almost like I planned it because the next segment, we're talking about the lack of consistency in one Steven Matz. So talking about Steven Matz as well as uh, Dakota Hudson, lack of consistency there coming up here in just a moment. But Summer is coming, and with summer, you're going to need some food on the go. Well, Built Bars is the perfect snack to take with you on family vacations. You can throw them in your bags, in your kids' backpacks. You need to make sure that everybody has a bar so they are fueled for your summer adventures. The best part about Built Bars as well is they are healthy and delicious. They are not one or the other. They are both. You do not need to sacrifice delicious food for health or health for delicious food. With Built Bar, you can have both, and it's easy. All you have to do is go to Built.com and order right now. All Built Bars and Puffs are covered in 100% real chocolate. That means with Built Bar, you can eat healthy and actually enjoy doing it. These 
are incredible flavors to choose from because the, these puffs, the first ever protein-infused marshmallow, you've got flavors like banana cream pie and even churro. Who doesn't want a protein bar that tastes like a churro and that's only 140 calories? And if that's not enough, you can try a mixed box of puffs. You get 12 flavors of Built Bars and puffs. So many different options to have all the flavors of Built Bars and puffs. Built Bar, make sure that there's something for everyone. So go to Built.com right now to get all of your favorites. Banana cream pie, raspberry, double chocolate. That's my favorite. And so many more. They are all delicious with new flavors coming out all the time. So check them out at built.com. So go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, for 15% off your order. Once again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Cardinals were unable to get consistency from Steven Matz or Dakota Hudson over the weekend. Um, so what's the next step for, for them? So uh, before I talk about that, I do want to thank you for making Locked on Cardinals your first listen. Apologies for the lack of episodes recently, but we're back on track today. And for your next listen, in between this one and the bonus episode today, be sure to check out the Locked on Now podcast. Recaps of MLB games with analysis from our local experts, taking fans through the season like no other network. Guys, really, this is this is just me talking. No other network does what the Lockdown Network does, especially with podcasts like the Lockdown Now podcast. So they are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. But let, let's talk about Stephen Matz and Dakota Hudson. We're going to start with Stephen Matz. Stephen Matz straight up did not have it on Saturday. Cardinals were in their victory blues. They were looking good. They get out to a one nothing lead. In the, in the first inning on an Arenado single, you're feeling good about it. You've won the first two games, you're up early. And then the grand slam happens in the bottom of the first. So that was an absolute laser by Wilmer Flores. There's no doubt. And then you get a couple runs, so you're only down by one. All right, Steven Match, settle in. You get a home run given up by Dubon. Ruff hits one out. And then all of a sudden, it's 8-1. to one, And you're thinking, what the heck just happened? Steven Matz did not have it. His ERA balloons up to 7.01. His ERA is going to it's going to have a tough time being brought down with the amount of runs he's given up in a couple of very short starts. Cuz remember his first start against Pittsburgh did not go very well either. He gave up a bunch of runs early in that game as well as he was only able to go 3 innings, he gave up 7 earned runs. So he's either really 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 bad were pretty good. Because this is his game logs so far for the season, okay? April 10th against Pittsburgh. Three innings, seven earned runs, nine hits. He comes back on the 16th against Milwaukee. He goes five and two-thirds of shutout baseball. He comes back on the 22nd against Cincinnati. Five innings, one earned run. Solid stuff. And then he goes out against the New York Mets. Four innings, four earned runs. Not great. But then on May 2nd, his start before last one against Kansas City, Six innings of shutout baseball. And then you come back again on May 7th. Gives up three home runs, eight earned runs, and two innings pitched. So, not a good, you know, it's either there or it's not. Plain and simple for Steven Matz. So, you you don't know what you're going to, right now, you don't know what you're getting out of Steven Matz. Because his ERA sits at 7.01, despite some pretty solid starts mixed in there. So if you're just looking at the the line of three three and two seven oh one ERA and twenty five innings pitch with a whip of one point six four, 
you're probably not thinking very good things about Steven Matz. But as I mentioned, he's got some good starts mixed in there. He really has. So the next step for Steven Matz is being able to show consistency. And I think the next step, I think somebody else had this opinion as well, the next step for Ali Marmal is to know when to pull Steven Matz. I thought he was left out maybe a little bit too long yesterday. Hindsight's twenty twenty. I understand that. But still, probably could have yanked him a little bit sooner, got him out of the game a little bit sooner. And then you don't know what happens because the bullpen overall was pretty good behind Matz outside of the couple that I've mentioned, Whitley being one of them. But Woodford was really good behind Matz. So Matz needs to be consistent. The other person that needs to be a little bit more consistent, Dakota Hudson. What are the two keys with Dakota Hudson, everybody, that I talk about all the time? Say it with me. Don't walk anybody. Keep the ball in the ballpark. What are two things that Dakota Hudson did not do? Or did do, I guess. One thing he did, one thing he didn't do. He didn't keep the ball in the ballpark. And he walked people. Four and two-thirds, five hits, three earned, four walks, and a home run given up. Didn't strike out a batter. He got 11 ground outs. That was a a positive. I think Dakota Hudson has a capability to be an above-average pitcher. He just needs to do... Those two things. It sounds very simple. I'm not trying to oversimplify it. I'm sure there's t- tons of mechanical things that he needs to work on. But you can't have a starting pitcher. after A day after a pitcher goes two innings in Steven Matz, you've got to go more than four and two-thirds. You've got to be able to, to say, all right, this team needs me to, to, to get some innings. This team needs me to go six or seven. Let's roll. I understand the Cardinals had an off day yesterday, so Cabrera pitched on back-to-back days, but he had an off day yesterday, so he could be available tonight. Gallegos, same deal. Pitched a lot over the weekend, but he could be available tonight because of the off day yesterday. An off day that the Cardinals, in my opinion, really needed. But Dakota Hudson needs to be able to to find consistency in his own right and to say, all right, this team needs me to eat some innings. Let's eat some innings. Let's find the stuff. And even if I don't have the stuff, let's find a way to get outs. Let's not walk people. Let's not give up home runs. Let's roll. Starting pitching needs to be more consistent for this team. We'll see what happens when Jack Flaherty comes back. Because when Jack Flaherty does come back, I think the Cardinals do have an interesting decision to make. Michaelis isn't going anywhere. Matt isn't going anywhere. I understand that. But then, or and Wainwright's not going anywhere either. <laughs> either. Wainwright's not getting demoted to the bullpen. And then you've got Hicks and Hudson. Both have bullpen experience in their careers. Which do you trust more to be a starter, in my opinion, is what it comes down to at that point. That's an interesting discussion. My mind immediately, right now, based on how they're pitching right now, honestly, leans towards Jordan Hicks. Because we're seeing him take, although it might be small, we're seeing him take steps towards being a productive starting pitcher with each and every start. We're seeing him being stretched out. The pitch count keeps getting higher and higher. It will be no pitch count at some point or a normal pitch count at some point. So I think that's going to be the real question when Jack Flaherty comes back. Who goes down? And if Dakota Hudson doesn't find some consistency real quick, it could be maybe not him going down, but it could be him going back to the bullpen, maybe. Now, he's been a starter for a handful of years, so he does have the, the pedigree and the you know the, the resume for it to stay there. So we'll see what happens. But that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you for making Locked On Cardinals 
your first listen. Be sure to make sure your third listen, after we've already talked about Locked On Now, make your second listen, Locked On MLB, with our pal Sully, as he brings you his unique perspective on the majors, both past and present, available and free wherever you get your podcast, just like this podcast on YouTube. We're very close to 1,000 subscribers, so be sure to keep hitting that subscribe button. And once again, just as an FYI, we'll have a second episode out later today before first pitch, previewing this series, coming up with the Baltimore Orioles. And until I talk to you then, be sure to stay safe, stay well, and have a fantastic day.